Welcome to Publishing Gribble, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Malena Benson. In this week's episode, I'm talking to Mike Morrison, one of the most experienced guys when it comes to designing, building and marketing membership businesses. Mike Morrison is the co-founder of the Membership Guys and Membership Academy. He is the host of a popular podcast, an international speaker and author of two best-selling books. He has also been featured on the likes of Social Media Examiner, Huffington Post and Net Magazine. Interviewing Mike was like coming home. Mike is an excellent and very experienced podcast host, and I have listened to countless hours of great advice from him. I asked Mike to share the secrets about his success and to be the first guest on this podcast because I absolutely love his genius approach to building a community. Also, I am a bit Anglophile, and I adore his lovely accent and voice that is built to be listened to. So let's jump into the interview. All right, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm I'm real excited to uh, to dive in. So I, first, Mike, I want to ask you about your story and how have you built your business? Uh, yeah, so um, I currently um, work with my partner, Kali Willows, as as the membership guys. And uh, we teach influencers and experts how to start and grow online memberships. But we originally ran a, a digital marketing agency for around 10 years or so. I'd, I, I freelanced um, and, and ran my own business beforehand, probably for, I think it was about five or six years before I met Callie. Um, but soon after we, we, we met and we started a relationship, uh, we, we realized we're a good team and we started working together with an agency. and. Through that agency, we were directly involved in a lot of uh, successful membership sites, a lot of e-learning sites, online communities, um, as well as other types of projects. But we just there was just something about working with people who were running memberships that we just loved. There was some just the business model really appealed to to the best of the online world in, in our view. And the people were also really switched on. They, our best clients were consistently the ones who were starting online communities and memberships. So as time went on and as the business became more successful, we were able to be more selective about the type of projects we work with, the type of clients we took on. And so over time, we, we realized we were only saying yes to membership projects. They were the only projects we were taking on because we were just so passionate about the model. And they were also the type of, of projects where we were getting people the best results. Um, so, yeah, we built a very successful niche agency. And we pivoted a little bit and pivoted a little bit more. And we eventually reached a point because we were so specialist that we were in high demand. And we, we reached a point where we wanted to help people more than... Oh, sorry, we wanted to help more people than could realistically hire us. Uh, we were working with clients one-on-one, -on -one, obviously trading time for money. There's only so many hours in the day. There's only so much you can put your price up before, you know, you start kind of feeling a little guilty. Um, 
So we wanted to serve more people. We wanted to help more people. And so we um, started blogging and we started podcasting about memberships and we we established the Membership Guys brand. And then shortly following that, we opened up our own membership. And that just took off in such a way that it very quickly became the only thing we do. So we started podcasting. By that, I mean we put out a bunch of podcast episodes and then a few weeks later, I got round to doing one more. And then a few weeks after that, I got round to doing another one. We weren't we, we weren't mega consistent because we were just trying to get this brand off the, the ground. But we started all that June, July 2015. Um, we were still working with clients at the time because we didn't know where it was going to go. We didn't, we didn't know if it would um, become a nice little kind of side project or whether it would be something that kind of fit as a complementary thing to our client services. So maybe after we, we were done building our, like working with our clients on their membership, maybe they then went inside our membership. Um, we had a hunch that it would be successful because it's, it's what we do, right? Um, but you never know. So there was a transition period uh, that we went through after we launched our membership, which happened, our membership launch was, August 31st, 2015. So it was just two to three months after we we started pushing out content and, and um, after we launched the Membership Guys brand. And it's been going from strength to strength ever since, coming up on our fifth anniversary um, later this year. So what would, what would you say would be like the, the key strategy that you have used to, to build, uh, to grow the business? Content marketing. Uh, without without doubt, um, content marketing. I think for for all online memberships um, that are centered around some sort of knowledge expertise. You know, you're you're paying to learn something. You're paying to achieve a transformation or or a goal or an outcome or solve a problem. Um, all memberships of that type, we we find content marketing is just such a, an important thing to do because. Ultimately, we're all just problem solvers. Like whether it's with a membership, a course, training, coaching, whatever, we're all in the business of of getting paid to solve problems for people. And content marketing is just problem solving on a on a smaller scale in a different way. But um, you know, if you're blogging, if you're podcasting, you're creating a piece of content where the goal is someone's gonna someone's gonna learn something from this. And the knowledge they pick up is going to help them to achieve something, to solve a problem, to answer a question. It might just be a little win, but it's a win, right? And if you do that enough and you demonstrate your expertise and you establish yourself as someone who your audience can genuinely trust to solve their problems, their small problems, they're going to trust you to solve their bigger ones, right? And so for me... Uh, I, the content marketing is just the, the most no-brainer thing to do um, in, in growing a membership. And again, a big part of that is most online memberships, they're selling content. They're selling premium content. They're selling courses, workshops, tutorials. Um, they're also selling community and, and, and a coaching element often as well. But if, if your membership com- consists of content, then it makes sense to use content to sell content because it's all part of the same big picture, right? Um, and for us from day one, our approach, particularly with our podcast, 
is is modeled on um, on Apple and the App Store. Yours used to have that thing. That I think the tagline was "There's an app for that." So the idea was for any situation, any problem, any question, hey, there's an app for that. I wanted our approach to be, hey, there's a podcast episode for that. So that anytime somebody asks us a question, because it's such a, a such a niche or niche, depending on where your listeners are, um, such a niche topic that a lot of the questions are real specific. We wanted, anytime we saw a question in a Facebook group, anytime someone emailed us, Anytime someone asks us at an event, I wanted to be able to direct those people to a podcast episode where they can spend 10 to 15 minutes and they get the answer to that question. And then if they've got more questions, well, then there's more podcast episodes or you can come join our membership where you can ask me deeper questions, take courses that will that'll address broader subjects and stuff like that. So even to this day, content marketing is still the linchpin of what we do. Our podcast is perhaps the 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 place where most people discover us, um, and coupled with that is search, search engine optimization. Yeah, from that, our that's, that's what I wanted to ask you. So if, I guess by now you have been in the business so long and you've created so much content, so that I, I suppose uh, quite often it's you being discovered and it mm-hmm. also... Uh, uh, SEO, I suppose you're working with. Yeah. Do, did you see a shift in that? If people are just starting out in their business and they might be a little bit overwhelmed and thinking, oh my goodness, but it will be like four years before I have that amount of content and it's already out there, all of it. <laughs> I think I, I think there's a couple of components of that. First, this is where um, focusing in on a, on, a, on a niche, so niching down, this is where that's beneficial. Because when you become known for a specialist topic, known as a specialist, then it becomes a lot, it becomes a lot easier to, um, to be discovered, to be referred, to be recommended and to be remembered. Um, it also kind of centers your focus when it comes to creating content around more specific queries that your audience might be searching for. So in that sense, from an SEO point of view, without getting too into it, if you're if you're writing answers to real specific niche questions, chances are you're going to stand more of a chance for for ranking for those questions because it's going to be less competition. The more specialist you are, the less uh, noise you've got to fight against. Um, also, what we did, like we a big kind of. Um, accompaniment to what we were doing with the podcast was we started a, a little Facebook group. So we created the place to, to assemble our audience. It was one of the first things we did. Um, actually, as soon as we decided that we might do the membership guys brand and the Academy, this was a year in advance. We set up a Facebook group just about memberships. We didn't have the membership guys brand at all. Um, but we wanted to create just somewhere that people could, could come together and start talking but where we could also listen to the problems they had and create content around it. So what would often happen there when we were dealing with a much smaller audience, someone would post a question in the group. I'd see that question and think, oh, wow, that's that's a real good question. But instead of rushing to answer it, I would go off. I'd get this thing out, my microphone. I'd record myself giving the answer for 10 to 15 minutes. I'd turn that into a podcast episode. And then I go back to the person in the group who asked and said, 
funny you should ask this question. As it happens, we've got a podcast interview coming out in three weeks about this very thing. In the meantime, here are my thoughts. So I'd still answer the question. I wouldn't make them wait. But it was almost that real-time, almost call-and-response content creation because I had somewhere I could bring my audience together, and I was able to just really tune in to the problems they were having, the questions that they had, and respond quicker and act quicker. So there's there's real big benefits to being small. There's real big benefits to being early stage because you can be you can be nimble. I can't do that as much today. I rarely do that, and also I I rarely need to because those those little acorns of that that really one to one content idea generation those then yeah planted the seeds and, and grew into what we have today. But there's there's. So today you can say there is a podcast episode for that. Yeah, there is a podcast episode for that because that's the great thing. Because now, you know, beforehand people were posting questions. We didn't have any content. I quickly created that content and took it back to them. Now we there's a podcast for that. For pretty much every question that gets that gets posted almost without fail. Um but it, it all started from from those just just social listening, just paying attention creating somewhere for people to come together and and just taking notice and and responding um i think sometimes people see being small and being early stage uh, as a weakness as an impediment but it makes it makes you so much more nimble so much more able to to interact in a personal way one-to-one connections that you might not be able to do once you've got you know tens of thousands of people on your email list and thousands of paying members vying for your attention um but so take advantage of that it's a wonderful it's a wonderful time to have the ability to be flexible to move quick uh so yeah yeah the, the also, seo stuff comes i'm sorry i I, so i also i'm thinking that you get the doing exactly what you just mentioned there you get the best of everything You get that sense of generosity. Uh, you get like semi-produced, consumer-generated content. <laughs> it's a, well, it's at least it's inspired by them. Yeah, it's definitely serving. Uh, and even before, I, this was an open group, right? Or is it? Uh, it, it was. was, uh, was it, it was. It was. It was. Um, it was for the public. It was free. It was open. It's still there today. It's still a big part of our marketing strategy. It's just now. There's fifteen thousand people in it. <laughs> let's hear so, what let's hear what it's called so the listeners can go find it. Yeah. If you if you go to talkmemberships.com in your browser, that special URL will redirect you through to our Facebook group. Alternatively, in the app, just search for membership mastermind and you'll find it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So well that's a really good uh, way of uh, of building those relationships. So I'm just uh, thinking now there might be a few listeners who are not exactly sure what is the, a membership site. When do I just have an online course and when do I have a membership yeah. site? Could you just give us a little bit on that? You know, it's understandable that people get a little mixed up on this because the term like membership site, it's actually it's a technical term in in that it just describes a particular setup it describes any website where there is something that cannot be accessed 
unless you have an account that has been granted access, um, usually paid. That is such a broad definition <laughs> that you know, Netflix is a membership site, Facebook is a membership site, um, uh, Tinder is, uh, I suppose, is an app, but it's a membership app. So, and, and online courses, you mentioned online courses, technically, in most cases, they are housed within a membership site. So the distinction for me is you have membership sites and then you have online memberships. That's that's the little tweak I like to put on on it to to almost um, change the definition a little to what what people like me and people like you um, and people running online businesses generally think of and generally mean when they're talking about memberships. So usually an online membership is typically um, subscription, ongoing subscription around about the $15 to $60, $70 a month range generally, uh, usually comprising of a combination of the three Cs, content, coaching, community. Usually the content is e-learning, so typically it will be courses. Um, usually it's not huge 20-hour-long courses. Usually it's kind of mini courses. So courses, tutorials, workshops, uh, maybe kind of PDF guides, those sorts of things. Um, usually the community is, is either a forum or a Facebook group. And the coaching is generally done one-to-many. So it's usually uh, live Q&A calls or um kind of member hot seats where like once a month a member comes on and gets 15 to 20 minutes of coaching while the, the whole member base gets to watch. Um, so typically an online membership offers some combination of those three Cs. Some only offer content with no coaching community. Some are pure community. So you you kind of have the, the variances, but broadly speaking, that's that's what you're, you're looking at. And usually... Um, the the purpose of the membership is to either solve a problem, teach somebody something, or guide someone through some sort of journey, provide them support along the way. Okay. So if I want to build a membership, do I need to have my audience first? I I say yes. You need to have an audience in place for a, a number of reasons. First and foremost, obviously, when you open the doors to your membership, you want there to be a crowd who are hungry and excited and waiting for this this membership. You need people to sell it to. If you haven't built up your audience, you're just shouting into the void, right? You, you've then got to go out and try and find people for your product. But I think more importantly, you know, we, we talked about just how important it was for for us to be able to pay attention to what our audience needed, to listen to identify their their problems, their challenges, their roadblocks, what makes them happy, what makes them frustrated. That that was so crucial for, for us. It's so crucial for anybody who who hopes to serve. Um, you know, you can't you can't solve a problem you don't understand. And you can't understand a problem unless you are surrounding yourself with people who are going through that problem. There's also a big need to build that audience to to validate um, that what you're doing is the right thing. You know, before you launch a membership, you need to validate first and foremost: does an audience exist? Right, because a bad time to discover that there is no audience for your topic or your idea 
the worst time to discover that is after you've spent months and hundreds of dollars and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears creating your membership site. It's a bad time to discover nobody needs it, nobody wants it after the fact. So you need to validate, is there an audience for this? Do they have the problems I assume they have? If they do, is my solution the right solution for those problems? So is there efficacy in my my solution? And also fourth, am I any good at connecting the dots for that audience between the problem and solution? Because you might have the best membership in the world. You might have the hungriest audience in the world. But if you can't communicate to them that you have the perfect solution that genuinely will help them, if you can't connect the dots, if you can't market it and sell it and compel them to join your membership, you're not going to get anywhere. So you need to validate all of those things. And you can only do that when you have that audience uh, in place. Not everyone likes hearing that because building an audience can take time. Um, it doesn't have to take years but certainly months uh, to, to build up an audience. So you have to have a little bit of patience if you're just chomping at the bit to jump right into building your membership site. But it's worth, it's worth spending that time building that audience, validating the idea, and just being amongst your people, right, and, and, and getting a better understanding of, of what they need. And that understanding just helps inform how best to serve them. So there's a difference between an audience and a community, right? Mm. How do you go from audience to community? How can you build those relationships? What are the key strategies that you use yourself? How do you build those relationships? It's certainly more challenging at scale. You can't necessarily have those little one-to-one conversations. Um, but, you know, the the membership model, the online community model is is perfect for for this one-to-many approach, you know. Um, I think the the transition from someone being being part of your audience to being part of your community is a one that takes time and a one that is organic and a one that develops through continuously building that trust by showing up for them, by looking out for them, by creating content. Um, and I I think it's 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 a byproduct of uh, of your marketing, you know, if you're marketing in an ethical way, you know, perfect example, the world is kind of in crisis right now. And actually you're starting to see those people who are showing up for their community, showing up for their audience, who are trying to find ways to genuinely like help them weather this versus people who are looking at it and kind of saying, okay, how can we make some money out of this? Um, so the way in which you just showing up consistently and and building that trust bit by bit and being honest and ethical in your your marketing and not bombarding them with sales pitches and not constantly shilling other people's expensive courses or, or not using high pressure marketing and sales tactics and all that sort of stuff i think helps take someone from from being just part of an audience to being part of of your community and honestly our our general approach in terms of how we engage with with our audience, hasn't changed a great deal over time. Other than we can't do as much of the one to one stuff, but you know we're we're in our paid community every single day, answering questions personally. Um, we're we're in our Facebook group. Um, again, 
every day, you know, we're, we're, we can't spend as much time in there as in our, inside our pay community, but we're showing up. We're showing up for our audience. We're, we're looking for ways to, to serve them. Um, and so, you know, when we talk about growing an audience and building a following, there's, there's three ways of doing it. You either build it organically, um, you either borrow it by teaming up with experts and influencers on affiliate promotions and joint ventures, or you buy it through paid advertising. Of those three approaches, building your audience organically, for me, is the one that makes it far more likely that the people in your audience will become people in your community, um, whether that's a paid community or whether it's a Facebook group or whatever, because building it organically does everything I'm talking about there, about building trust, nurturing that relationship, giving you opportunities to um, to, to, to show up and to serve uh, your people. I'm, I'm, I'm having this image in my head right now that you can, if you want to build a, a really, really tall building and you build it on, you can, you can build a foundation and, and, but if it's not, if it's not really solid, mm-hmm. so it's not just about the size. It's yeah. also about how solid is it? Yeah. And I think the thing, you know, if you can use the building of, you know, building a structure, um, analogy to, to really relate it to time and attention when you're building building your audience organically it's it's a process it's bit by bit it's bit by bit um and so if you're build if you're building a house building a skyscraper and if you're taking your time and you're being a little more methodical when you're laying the foundations you're more likely to avoid mistakes avoid messing up notice any problems adapt adjust versus if you try and do things too fast um, and that's not to say that buying your audience through paid advertising is the wrong way to go but for me um when i talk about the three ways of building that audience buy build borrow for me things like paid advertising and things like joint ventures and affiliate promotions the the, the borrow and the buy they should amplify the things that are already working well organically I think everyone should aim to make an organic audience growth and organic marketing strategy the cornerstone of what they are doing and then use paid advertising to to supplement it. You know, once you know what works, once you, you know, if you've written a blog article that you know is helping a lot of people, spend some money on putting that blog article in front of more people rather than just spending money to get people on your email list. So I, I do think the organic strategy needs to be at the heart of everything um, that you do because that's the that's the strategy that puts you closer to your people. Um, and for me, particularly with memberships compared to other types of products, it's real important to make sure you're attracting the right people um, because a membership is a forever transaction. That's uh, uh, a term coined by Robbie Kelman Baxter, um, very smart lady who wrote uh, the membership economy. You're not looking for one and done uh, customer relationships. You're looking to build a long-term customer relationship, a long-term relationship with your with your members. And so it's real important that you get the right people in. And so developing trust and nurturing that relationship is critical to that, to making sure that when someone joins, they're already connected with you. 
the trust is already there. You've already laid those foundations. And so when they join, they're more likely to stay for months and years as opposed to just trying to get sales at any cost because a, a membership cannot survive if everyone who joins leaves a month later. You can't have that leaking bucket where everyone who comes in at the top eventually like just just immediately disappears off out of the sides because your reproach to to how you get people in is not one that is um, conducive to long-term uh, member relationships. And that, that word just keeps coming up. It's a relationship. It's, it's a, a relationship that you are hoping will last for a long, long time. The longer it lasts, the more successful your business is um, in, in simple terms. So you've got to do the groundwork. You've got to, you've, you've got to nurture that relationship, treat it like you, you would treat any positive relationship. Um, maybe, maybe certain things you don't do, <laughs> but you know, you don't want to go too far with that comparison, but you, you've got to have your mindset in that place. You know, it needs to be a, a positive, healthy relationship. You're not just looking for, for the short term. I believe that our brains are built to get to a conclusion and a solution as fast as possible so mm -hmm. that we don't have to spend energy uh, thinking about things. And I think there's a huge part, especially for uh, some of our of the listeners would be, uh, I call myself a recovering corporate. <laughs> <laughs> so I was paid to go back and come back with a question with with a, a an answer to the question and even sometimes what is a good question mm. so we're rewarded for that our whole lives also in school usually also by our, by our parents and society in general and what you're saying here is actually also to have more patience and to learn to love being in that if you love being in that relationship with your community It's not a problem that you don't have all of the solutions because you are in the journey with them, figuring mm -hmm. out what works and what is helpful and what is not helpful and how to best serve it to them. Yeah, and that's that's the for me is a big part of the appeal of, of memberships. But a lot of people focus on the financial side um, with memberships and recurring revenue is is I won't lie, it's wonderful. Um, Uh, and it gives your business a lot of stability, a lot of reliability, a lot of predictability, which in current climate is 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 a good thing to have. But a big a big part of things for me is the fact that memberships are never finished. They are they're not you're not trying to create the perfect product and take it to market. You are essentially creating a living product, something that will change and evolve over time organically and in partnership with your customers because your members will be the ones who shape the future of your membership. That great idea that you had, if your members don't like it, you're probably going to end up scrapping it. The The content you're creating, yes, you kind of get things off to a start in terms of, okay, these are the courses I'm going to launch with, these are the workshops I'm doing first, but your members will point you in the direction they want to go. They will tell you what the gaps are. They will tell you what they need. They'll give you ideas you would never have thought of otherwise. And that that kind of duality, that symbiosis between you and your customers, over the long term, over years, 
um, is exciting. It keeps things fresh, but it also removes so much pressure because there's no point trying to build the perfect membership because the perfect membership is a fallacy. Your, the perfect membership is a membership that will change, that will evolve, that will grow over time. So you cannot, you cannot launch a perfect membership. You can only run a, a membership that is continuously evolving and continuously serving the changing needs of, of your clients. We're five years in, and you know we're, we're we're still in that place where we're paying attention to okay, what are, how are people's needs changed? What are they asking for? Um, this this thing we created to solve this problem in two thousand and sixteen. Is that still suitable now? Is it still evergreen? Do we need to change? And where embrace or we embrace that constant pursuit of the best way to serve our audience. And that keeps it interesting while also, as I said, removing removing the pressure. Because if you're selling a course, you want that course to be absolutely like the best it can possibly be. And then you take it to market and you hope that you know your audience think it's the best it can be. When people join a membership, they're not expecting perfection. It's it's a moving trend. It's an evolving um, business, a living product, and that's really exciting. But this is the gut check for me when people are not sure whether a membership is the right business for them. If everything we're talking about here, the idea of still trying to come up with ideas for how best to serve people in five years' time, um, if the idea of cr- of creating content around this topic in 10 years' time, or the idea that you might be showing up in your community every day answering questions about the subject, if that excites the heck out of you, if that just sounds like perfection, you're going to love being a membership owner. If that sounds exhausting, if that sounds like the worst thing in the world, do not start a membership because a membership is it's a long, long-term business model. You've got to be in this for the long haul. Um, so, you know, for us, we eat, sleep, and breathe memberships. We would happily talk about memberships to anyone who will listen until the cows come home. And that is our idea of our perfect day, our perfect week is doing what we do. It's not for everyone. It's not going to be for everyone. And that's the good check moment, I think. I think that running a membership business, you ha- you have to think of uh, the role as a marketer and a teacher that that they're one and the same. There's just mm-hmm. two sides of the same coin. It is. It is. And again, it, it comes back to what we said before. It's problem solving. That's that's all it is. Sometimes you solve a problem by teaching someone something. Sometimes you solve a problem by just giving them a place to vent, to ask questions, to solicit ideas, or, yeah, just to be heard and to have someone come along and say, yeah, that really, really sucks. That really sucks. I agree. That 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 sucks. Sometimes that that is a solution for some people in some circumstances. So you get to you get to be the problem solver, but also create a, a community. So a lot of this a lot of this sounds like it's you as the membership owner putting out every fire, answering every question. But the beauty is you are building a community of of people who will support each other, who will solve each other's problems who will hold each other accountable and support each other and the the i think one of the the most transcendent moments 
of of the career as a membership owner is the day where you come into your community ready to answer whatever questions have been asked overnight and you open up some of the discussions and you see that they've taken care of themselves they've taken care of each other and you're not needed that's that is it's still it's a beautiful thing when that happens because you realize like you you brought these people together you gave them a place and um they're helping each other out and you know it's it's a great great thing before i i, I think that's that's just so beautiful we we kind of have to end here <laughs> So, so before so, sorry, I, I've just I just I've just shut down your your podcast interview. <laughs> no, no, and I think that's that's that was really that was just perfect. So I before I ask you my last question question, do you have anything else you you re- would really like to share? Um I think I, I think kind of the I, I suppose the main thing and this this lines up with what I was saying about it being a long term thing is Again, in the world of online business, um, a lot of focus is put on sales and marketing and about getting people in through the front door. Memberships are a retention business. Sales and marketing are important because, of course, you, 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 need, the, you need the eyeballs, right? You need to reach people. Um, particularly important, as we said, the marketing is done in such a way that that attracts the right people. But the real business success comes from member retention. Retention is as important, if not more important, than acquisition. So it isn't just about sales. You you need to think essentially about marketing after the sale. You know, what can you do to engage and delight your your members? What can you do to to get them to stick around for months and for years, and also you know help them in such a way and make them feel such a part of of this community that they go out there and they advocate for you. Um, there's, there's this concept of the marketing flywheel, which um, I know the guys at HubSpot talk about. And it's about this kind of almost perpetual motion engine that comes um, from marketing, but also fueled by the, 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 the customer lifecycle where you attract people in through traditional marketing uh, means, through content, through search, through advertising. They come in, you engage them, you bring them into you know, your ecosystem, you sell them something. But then the key ingredient is that delighting them of really delivering on your promises above and beyond and really focusing on the customer experience so that actually what you create is more marketing fuel. Because if you're helping getting people results, then they're going to tell people, they're also going to make for great case studies and great examples that you can then use in your marketing. They're going to become affiliates, which again is going to, it's going to prime the pump. It's going to, it's going to fuel that flywheel. And so you just get this perpetual motion where your, your membership creates happy members who then add more fuel to the marketing fire, which brings in more people which results in more happy members, more advocates, more social proof, which brings in more members, and it just goes round and round and round. That, for me, is what memberships are all about, and that's why it's so, so important to look beyond that sale um, at the customer experience, the member experience, because that will feed your marketing, and it will it will just become that sustainable, ever-growing 
um, perpetual motion machine, the flywheel, uh, that will, will keep your business, uh, going from, from strength to strength. That was perfect, Mike. You're speaking my language, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the final question, what is your very best tip to make marketing human? Oh, wow. That's, that's a, that is a, a much deeper question than it would, it would sound on paper <laughs> beyond what we've already talked about. How do you make marketing human? I think you've just got to be human. And you've got to remember that the people at the other end of the email, the people at the other end of the phone, the other end of the ad, they are humans as well. And some days they don't care about what you've got to say. Right now, we've got a lot of humans going through a lot of stuff. But it's recognizing that there's human beings on the other end of everything you put out. And so um, you're looking for people who will who will trust you and stick with you for years. And so you can't be anything but um an authentic, empathetic marketer who who acts with nothing but but integrity. So yeah. I don't know how well that's answering the question. That's that is a that's that's gonna have me thinking like all night. Yeah. <laughs> I th- I think that what I've heard you say throughout this episode is also that you have to show up with a, with all of you. Mm. Obviously you can have keep things private, but but with all of you, you are a whole person and that the people in front of you, you have touched upon that a few times that you have to, it, they have days where they're not looking to learn anything. <laughs> they just want to be there and be with someone and, and they're mm-hmm. whole people as well. Nope. Nope. Yeah. brings uh, just a fraction of them into a relationship. We we are there with the whole person we are. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially today, um, with the the rise of automation um we're seeing a, a lot less human interaction in 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 marketing is my or in business you know my good friend chris ducker often says you know business isn't b2c it's not b2b it's p2p it's person to person um and it's easy to lose sight of that when you've got exciting new chatbots and you've got um, tools where you can do email automations and all this stuff that essentially replaces human interaction. But I think the businesses that are going to thrive and survive over the next few years are ones who find a way of just adding a little more of a personal touch. Like people actually, I think, get surprised now if they go to a website and there's a little chat box and it's an actual person. It's not an, it's not an AI driven um chatbot that is programmed to it's an actual person or you know with memberships in particular um i'll I'll try not to segue too much but onboarding so the whole process the first the first few weeks in a membership it's so so important for retention and the stuff you can do there to add a little personal touch sending a little personalized postcard or using a, a tool like bonjoro to to send a little 30 second clip you could be getting 10 members a day. So a membership site that is going up by 300 members a month and still have time to do 10, 30 second little personal video introductions to every single one of those members without it becoming a burden. Just that little extra where you can add a personal touch at scale. Um, people who, who commit to finding ways of doing that, 
I think are the ones who are going to thrive and survive because um, t- too much of business is having the the human element removed from it, especially online. And when we say about remembering people at the other end of your marketing are human, it's very easy to forget online because you're not seeing their faces. You're not you're not going to networking meetings. You're not having client calls. In a lot of cases, it's numbers on a screen. It's a list of people. It's it's how many people are on your email list? How many followers do you have? How many likes do you have? It's numbers. It's data. So it's important to to not take for granted that every single like is a person. Every single follower is a person. Every email subscriber, every member, every everyone you're dealing with, it's still people. Um, and you can't lose sight of that. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Is there anywhere that, well, there is, where <laughs> where do we want to send people if they want to learn more about you? Uh, best place to go if you head to themembershipguys.com. Get to know us through our free content first, through our free Facebook group first. And then if you want to go further, come into the academy. Thank you so much. So that was the interview with Mike Morrison. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. In the show notes, you can find all the relevant links to connect with Mike. In the next episode, I have a new guest on the show, Park Howell, and we are going to talk about how to use stories to build your brand. Thank you for allowing me into your ears and your world today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe in your podcatcher so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, I'd love it if you would rate and review to help other business owners. May you continue to be who you really are and prosper in your business because of that. Bye for now.